The story is told of a man who lived a long time ago in the old country, and more than anything, he wanted to come to America and start a new life. Well, this is back before the days of air flight, and there were steamers that would go across the Atlantic, and it would take several days to go across the sea. So he saved up every bit of money he possibly could for the fare to take the steamer across the Atlantic, and also whatever was left to begin his new life in America. And he saved up for a long time, and he still didn't have quite enough, really, by a long shot. So many of his friends took up a collection and then blessed the young man with enough money to pay his fare to take the steamer across the Atlantic. And so this man packed up all that he ever could bring in one old trunk. He had just enough money for the fare and a little bit more to begin his new life in America. So to save whatever extra he had for beginning his new life in America, he decided that he would eat only smoked cheese and crackers throughout the journey. Well, the journey began, and every day at mealtime, while the passengers would go to the ship's dining room and enjoy delicious meals, this man would quietly retire to his tiny room and eat his ration of cheese and crackers. And so all through that journey, he would do this day after day. Well, it got to the end of the trip and everybody was disembarking the ship in the new world. And as this passenger passed the captain, the captain had a concerned look on his face. And he said, sir, I really hope that we haven't offended you. I noticed that you never came for the meals throughout this uh, journey. To which the young man said, oh, well, sir, the reason was I didn't have enough money for the meals, only for the fare. And the captain responded saying, dear sir, don't you understand the meals were included with your fare? You see, that young man didn't know all the benefits of his fare, deprived of those benefits, even though they belonged to him, bought and paid for. Most Christians go through the journey of their earthly Christian lives, starving, if you will, on crackers and old cheese, when all the while they could be enjoying the rich table of God's benefits right now. Find out more next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. We are in the midst of a great series called Blessed Beyond Imagination. Now you may be wondering, why do I say blessed beyond imagination? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 is sort of the theme verse for this series. And it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Did you hear that? Every spiritual blessing. No spiritual blessing lacking all of them. And the Bible tells us that the spiritual is higher and greater than the physical. In other words, every single Christian is 
Every person in Christ is blessed beyond imagination. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, speaking of the unseen thing, the spiritual thing, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so these spiritual blessings are eternal blessings that we enjoy right now, all the way through eternity. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. Listen to this carefully. The Apostle Paul is speaking about the incredible mission that God had given to him. And he says this, verse 8, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Remember, he was somebody who persecuted the church. He was a blasphemer. He was an insolent man, as he shared both with the Galatians in that epistle and also with uh, Timothy, his beloved son in the faith in 1 Timothy. He was far from somebody worthy. He said he was the least of all the saints. But listen to this. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Now, the Greek word for unsearchable means infinite. Wow. The infinite riches of Christ. Dear friend, that's blessed beyond imagination. And riches, you know, this worldly world's riches look uh, somewhat attractive, but can you imagine the unsearchable riches of Christ? Wow, that's amazing. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and I like it, in the NIV says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Do you see that? God is able to work in and through our lives immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine. Well, today we return to Psalm 103, which is a psalm that is loaded with all of the benefits. And there we consider some of God's amazing benefits for every single person in Christ. Now, last time we were beginning in Psalm 103, I won't cover that ground. You can listen to the last podcast, but the first three verses that says this, Psalm 103, a Psalm of David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Well, we're going to take it right from there. And, you know, beginning in verse 3, and it begins with an important word, who. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? In fact, it goes on, who redeems your life from destruction, verse 4, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Well, I'm running a little bit ahead of my point of myself, but the point that I'm trying to make here is this. The who is God. He is the loving giver 
of blessings. He is the blesser behind the blessings. And God does this good toward us because he is good. God blesses us not because we're blessable in and of ourselves or good enough in and of ourselves. God blesses us because he is good. And God's blessings communicate his good heart, his good love, and his kind intentions toward you and me. You know, many years ago, 34 years ago, I came to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and I was born again. Now, I was a tough cookie to bring into the kingdom of God. I grew up with religion in my uh, growing up years. My parents meant well, but I had not experienced being born again as the Lord Jesus uh, speaks of in John chapter 3 when he was talking to a very religious man. But I was born again October 3rd in 1981. In the, it took me three years before the Lord broke through and, and I was able to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to take three years, but it did in my case. I was rather thick-headed. But I remember in the few weeks leading up to that wonderful day, October 3rd, 1981, some dear brothers in Christ were sharing the gospel with me. There were two twins, Jeff and Al. And one of those guys, I'll never forget it, shared with me this from Psalm 34, verse 8, which says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And that particular verse was so winsome in the Lord continuing to draw me to Christ, to saving faith in him. And really, that particular idea has been so key throughout my Christian life. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. This is an idea in my own Christian life that's been a bit like the northern star, Polaris. You know, they said that the uh, seafarers of old would navigate uh, by way of the northern star in the sky. No matter which direction they were or how much they felt turned around, on a clear night they could see that northern star on the horizon. And they knew north, south, east, and west. It was a guiding star. And the guiding star, I think, for my own Christian life, a, a theme song that God keeps weaving throughout the the uh, composition of my Christian life is this Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. First of all, it says, oh, taste, which means go ahead, try it out, dig in, jump in. The water's awesome. God is so good. See, taste the goodness of the Lord. And then it says, and see, which after tasting, we find out, and you know, have you ever had someone introduce you to a new dish and you thought, well, I don't know about this. And they say, no, really, it's good. You just taste a little bit of it. You'll love it. And they take a little taste and you, you go, wow. Yeah, you're right. This is really good. And that's the idea behind Psalm 34, verse eight, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. Mm. The goodness of, of God is not some abstract theory. The goodness of God is something we taste, someone we taste and we enjoy. He is good. You know, when you taste and eat, you're taking it into your life. You're experiencing it firsthand. It's no longer a thing where someone else is tasting it and telling you what it's like, but you are digging in and you're enjoying it. And that's the way it is with the Lord, that firsthand experience and enjoyment. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And then it says this in the second part of uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, blessed There's that word again, which means um, happy, fortunate, to be envied, blessed. The experiences of a person that you look at and you go, wow, look at what's going on. Look at the good things that are happening in their life. Look at this uh, good thing here and this thing here or, or whatever. Blessed is that person, happy, fortunate, to be envied, blessed of the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh boy, that just rounds out that amazing verse so well. Blessed is the man or the woman or the boy or the girl who trusts in not a doctrine, not a theology, not a book, but the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who trusts in him. And this isn't some sort of uh, mere intellectual assent or agreement to facts. No, this is a heart trust in God where we rest our weary souls on him, his nature, his goodness, who he is. Back to Psalm 103, verse 3. We were talking about who, you know, it says that uh, things like God who redeems, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, that who is God. He's the loving giver of all of the blessings. As we taste and see that the Lord is good, guess what? The trust automatically happens. God, who is so good, is the one who blesses us with so many benefits. And they're benefits not for the sweet by and by. I'm so thankful for the wonderful benefit of heaven. It will be amazing. But you know what? Christ in my heart and life is heaven inside of me. And I can enjoy the goodness and the blessings of the Lord right now. And here's one of those blessings. Verse 3, Psalm 103, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities? Now, iniquities is a Bible word that is speaks of a result of the condition of sin. It's the consequence of the problem of sin in our lives or in the human race. Here's a good definition of the word iniquity that we find in the AMG Complete Word Study. It says this, this word indicates sin that is particularly evil, 
since it strongly conveys the idea of twisting or perverting deliberately. The noun carries along with it the idea of guilt from conscious wrongdoing. So you can see where it says here in verse 3 that God forgives all our iniquities. This isn't just an accidental slip up here. This is a deliberate twisting and turning from God, perverting his ways so that we can have our ways. Really, it is very evil. And yet, in Psalm 103, it doesn't say who forgives some of your iniquities. It says who forgives all your iniquities. That's powerful. He forgives all our iniquities, even our deliberate acts of sin and rebellion. So great is his forgiveness. Mm. Meditate on that for just a moment. None of us, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You go over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, dark verses that speak about being dead in trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, driven by the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, going after our lusts and desires, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the others. Man, that's so dark. But that's the condition universal of the entire human race. No exceptions. And if you want to find out more about that, read in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. You are not the exception to that rule, dear friend. I am not the exception to that rule. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And this wonderful, great, good, blessing God forgives all our iniquities, all that deliberate twisting and perverting of the ways of God so that we could just indulge ourselves. He forgives them all. And I love what it says there. You know, you had those three awful verses I was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Man, I love Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Right on the heels of that, it says, but God who is rich in mercy. Wow, I need a lot of mercy. How about you? He is rich in mercy. Why is he rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through seven. That is one of the most amazing benefits of God. The most, one of the most amazing benefits of our great salvation. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says this, that all of that, that great forgiveness of all of our deliberate acts of sin, our iniquities, our rebellions, all of that forgiveness That amazing forgiveness, may I say, 
is made possible through the redemption blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing less than his blood shed, his life given. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You might be struggling with an awful load of guilt, my friend. I don't know what you've done. God does. He knows it even better than you. But listen, God forgives. It's not cheap forgiveness because our wrong and our iniquity and our transgression is very great. And that's why there was an even greater price that was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ, by his own life, by his own blood, that redemption blood that makes possible an infinite, eternal forgiveness just for you. In Romans chapter 5, um, it says this, and, and, and I think this is so powerful, uh, in verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, and all the disobedience of the human race after that, through by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And then in verse 20, it says this, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Abounded means a, a, a great measure, but abounded much more is the Greek word, huperperitio. This is in, again in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, which means an abounding in an exceeding measure above measure. It's not just a flood, it's an overwhelming deluge of the greatness of the grace of God, so much greater than our sin and our rebellion and our wrong. God's forgiveness extends not just to sins committed in the past, but also sins present and sins future are all forgiven. We have perfect and total forgiveness of all our iniquities, all of our sins, because of the perfection of Jesus and his perfect, finished work. And so therefore, and you'll see this over in Hebrews, this comes up uh, several times between Hebrews chapter, uh, really beginning in chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For by one sacrifice he has perfected forever us. He has sanctified us always, made us holy always. And so because of perfect, the perfect work of a perfect Savior, we have perfect forgiveness. And we do not have to keep asking God for forgiveness. All in Christ have perfect and forgive uh, forever forgiveness of all of their sins, whether committed in the past, the present, or the future. Now think of this for a minute. When Jesus died 2,000 years ago, all of your sins and all of my sins were in the future, right? I mean, he died 2,000 years ago. 
all of our sins were future tense. He died for all of those sins, no matter the timeline, past, present, or future. Some people might say, well, Mark, if you tell people that, that will just give them an excuse to sin. No, it does not. For those who are truly born again of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you that that perfect forgiveness fosters our relationship with God. I want you to hear this. This is the new covenant found in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. And I'm not going to go through all the verses, but just highlight the one on forgiveness. This is Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. It says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Did you hear it? God says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. It's not because God is forgetful. It's because God says it is done. It is settled. The high price for the the recompense for such uh, sin has been paid in full through the precious life and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what I said, I believe, in the last episode, that the value of our benefits that we receive from God is the price of God's own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. These benefits are priceless. Why? Because of the infinite nature of the one who gave his life and shed his blood. That is why we are blessed beyond imagination with this perfect forgiveness. Now, I know that when I just said a moment ago that you don't have to keep on asking God for forgiveness, people immediately jump in and say, well, wait a minute, Mark, what about 1 John 1, 9? Let's go ahead and let's look at that verse for a minute. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, which reads this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, first of all, and people use that to prove text the notion that if you sin, you need to confess that sin so that God can forgive you. No, we confess our sins. True, we agree with God, but not to get forgiveness. Why? Because that's just one verse of Scripture. There are boatloads of Scriptures in the New Testament that speak of the perfect forgiveness that we have based upon the perfection of Christ and his perfect finished work. If we feel that somehow, some way, we need to be forgiven again, we are actually, at least involuntarily, insulting the perfection of Christ and his perfect finished work. Point number one, point number two, one verse of scripture a doctrine does not make. It is bad Bible hermeneutics to create a whole doctrine based on one verse. There's no other verses at all in the New Testament that say that you are to confess your sins to be forgiven. There is a verse, I believe in James, that says confess your sins to one another that you may be healed, but not to be forgiven. 
And so we must settle this matter that the degree of the perfection of your forgiveness, dear friend, if you've embraced Christ and believe savingly on him, that benefit is equivalent to the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to drive this point of eternal forgiveness even further with a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to fire these all out. Listen to what this says. First Peter chapter 3. These are verses that established the fact of our perfect forever forgiveness. First Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the, by the Spirit. First Peter 3.18. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, and as I read this, note the tense. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, have redemption, have the forgiveness of sins, plural, that's past tense. In um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 8, very similar verses, it says this, in him we have, past tense, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Again, we have it, past tense, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That's Ephesians 1, 7 to 8. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, it says this, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven, past tense, you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. You know, many Christians have the mistaken notion that, well, you're forgiven of your past sins, um, but if you sin after that, you have to confess in order to be forgiven. Let me bring up a practical point. If that were the case, you would be constantly asking for forgiveness all the time. Because forgiveness is, I mean, sin is not just a deliberate act of sin. It is also a sin of commission, but it is also a sin of omission. If you don't do something, you should do. And there are many things that we do that are wrong before God. The, the term sin literally means to miss the mark. What's the mark? What's the standard? The perfection of God. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, all that is not of faith is sin. Let me ask you, how much did you do today without faith? Even if you did something good without faith, it's sin. We would be constantly confessing our sins and probably not aware of some of those sins. What does that mean? You get hit by a bus and you go to hell? No, we don't have a cheap temporary forgiveness. We have permanent forever forgiveness. Thank God because of the precious Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking right now about the subject of the benefit of our forever forgiveness from God. Hebrews is 
full of this concept. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. Do you hear that? Purged, past tense. He did that and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus had, past tense, by himself. Jesus definitely accomplished it. How? By means of himself. Can he fail at accomplishing this? Well, of course not. And then it says in Hebrews 1, 3, that he purged our sins, purged in the amplified, bringing the full dimensions of the Greek out, has it this way, when he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt. That's the idea behind purged our sins. And then it says that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you know what the seated position in the Bible means? It means a position of rest. It means that all the work is accomplished and finished. And in the case of God, when he gets something done, he gets it totally and perfectly done so well, it never needs to be repeated again. Did you catch the dimensions of Hebrews 1.3? Let me say it again. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's go on to a few more. Hebrews 8, 12 and Hebrews 10, 17. Both of these verses are a recital of the new covenant where God says, and I mentioned this earlier, God says, swearing to an oath and binding himself contractually, covenantly to this promise, the new covenant blood covenant says this, God says this, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Why do we think we have to keep bringing it up with God? God says, Jesus did it all in the perfection of his person, in the perfection of his finished work. I remember your sins, your wrong, your failings, your iniquities, no more. That's powerful. And do you know what? That is at the basis of relationship with God, where God says, having accomplished all through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, perfectly and achieving perfect forever forgiveness. God says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and you have seriously wronged them and they have refused to forgive you? What does that do to your relationship? Well, your relationship is done. If that person chooses not to forgive you, then you have no hope of relationship with that person. 
But if that person forgives you, it is tantamount to that person saying, I value our relationship so much that I'm willing to forgive to put the matter aside. And that is the way God has done it. But God doesn't sweep our sins and our iniquities and our wrong under the carpet. Jesus Christ took upon himself the full strength of the penalty of our sin and our wrong, the full strength of the punishment that our sins deserved. He satisfied the justice of God. He paid for it all, a perfect propitiation, which means a payment to satisfy wrath. And the result of God going to such drastic measures of love is God saying, dear one, I value us having relationship that much. Let that soak in for a minute. God says, I value our relationship so much that I have expended the highest infinite price and cost to put away your sins and your abominations and your wrongs and your perversions to bring you a perfect forever forgiveness so that you can enjoy a sweet relationship with me. Dear friend, that is from the heart of God. And that's not just a passing little promise. It is a blood covenant promise found in the new covenant. Read it for yourself. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. And then in Hebrews 10, 18, it says this, now where there is absolute remission, this is the amplified, forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of these sins and law-breaking, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. Here's the logic of Hebrews 10, 18, where you have an absolute perfect remission, and remission means forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty. It is not a covering over sin. It is a removal of sin And as we have seen right here in uh, Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, and then later on, and we'll cover this later on, but I want to bring it right here. Verse 11, it says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. That's powerful, absolute remission, forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty and removal of all of that sin. That is the power of the great benefit of the forgiveness of God. And I want to wrap it up with the second part of verse 3, Psalm 103, verse 3. Man, I told you this is so rich, isn't it? So full of the rich benefits of God. Is this helping you? Is this bringing a blessing to your soul? I'm so glad it's blessing me. I need to hear this. Uh, Second part of Psalm 103, verse 3 says this, who heals all your diseases. You know, it doesn't seem that a day goes by that some 
uh, other big medical concern, big medical quandary is out there. Right now, what's dominating the headlines as I'm recording this podcast is the Zika virus. This is a virus that is transmitted by mosquito bites. And every single day, it seems, there's a new development in the story of the outbreak of this Zika virus. And it's more deadly, more dire Isaiah, I mean, uh, Psalm 103, verse 3 says, God, as one of his benefits, heals all your diseases, even the Zika virus. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says this, speaking of Jesus prophesying, this is a prophecy of Jesus suffering seven centuries before it took place. Isaiah 53, 5 says, and by his stripes, we are healed. What's the tense of that verse? Past tense. When did Jesus take those awful whippings upon his back? 2,000 years ago in the past, and just as much as that was done in the past, so our healing is secured in that work done in the past. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was injured so that you and I would be healed. That's one of the great benefits that we receive from God. Certainly one of the great benefits of our salvation. That includes physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, relational healing, healing in all the dimensions. And by his stripes, we are healed. And then we see Jesus in the Gospels. And and remember that Jesus is the image of the Father, the one who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what do we see Jesus doing throughout his earthly time? Well, all through each of the Gospels, we see him doing this as cited in Matthew 4, 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. That is what the one who is identified as the image of the Father, where Jesus said in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what do we see the Father doing? Healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. I don't care if it's cancer, pancreatic cancer. I don't care if it's the Zika virus. I don't care if it's MRSA. You fill in the blank. All kinds of sicknesses, that's what Jesus did, and all kinds of disease among the people. That's what he did, and it went beyond the physical, even into the spiritual realm. And Jesus even gave this healing power, healing ability to his disciples. He gave them power over unclean spirits, it says in Luke 10, to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. You know, there are names of God that are covenant names of God, and they usually begin with the word Jehovah. And I'm sure you've heard 
some of these names, perhaps like Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah literally means I am. Jireh means provision. So you put the two words together, Jehovah Jireh, and it means God is saying in covenant fashion to us, I am provision. Do you know what Jehovah Rapha means? Jehovah Rapha. Well, the, the Hebrew word Jehovah, again, means I am. Rapha means healing. So you put those two Hebrew words together, Jehovah, I am, Rapha, healing. And God says in covenant fashion, I am healing. God is a healing God. I could go on in much greater depth about uh, the healing evidence of God all throughout the scriptures. It didn't stop 2,000 years ago. Jesus is still alive and inside me and inside of every believer. He is no less Jehovah Rapha, the one who covenantly says, I am healing. The same Jesus who went about healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. And what did Jesus say to his disciples and by extension to us? Well, in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says this, most assuredly, which means truly, truly, I'm telling you the truth. Listen up. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. That's in John fourteen twelve. Some Christians say, well, yeah, the greater works is, you know, radio broadcasts or podcasts or the internet or whatever. Okay, well, what about the part that says, the works that I do, he will do also. Jesus didn't have radio. He didn't have podcasts. He didn't have internet. What did he do? He went around healing the sick. He went to dealing with those who were tormented with uh, demons and all sorts of things. Jesus said, you will do those things and even greater works. Why? Because I go to my father, to the father who identifies himself as Jehovah Rapha, I am healing. And so we go back to Psalm 103, verse 3b, which says, who heals all your benefits. Well, we're wrapping up today. Didn't get quite as far as I thought, but we really needed to take some time to dig into, especially the understanding biblically of God's forever eternal forgiveness. He forgives us all our iniquities. Everything else flows from that beautiful place of forgiveness. Well, we'll pick it up from there. We'll start in verse four next time on the Daily in Christ podcast. But let's take a moment right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are this good. You are good beyond imagination, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you bless us in corresponding fashion beyond imagination. Thank you, Father, you love us this much. Oh, God, thank you for the sure word that you have given to us in the scripture, the Bible. Now, Father, take this word and by your Holy Spirit, continue to break forth understanding and illumination that we may know you 
better, your heart of love, your heart of goodness, your blessing heart. Help us to understand the great dimensions of the wonderful benefits that we have that are included in this great salvation, in this great covenant love that you have for us. And we promise to give you and you alone the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, dear brother, dear sister, we've just wrapped up episode number three in our series, Blessed Beyond Imagination. And at the beginning of this time, I cited what is really sort of a northern star verse for me, Psalm 34, verse 8, that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We have been tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord understanding better his benefits and we'll continue to do it it's just it's it's like a kid opening up gifts on christmas day if this is a blessing to your life dear friend would you do me two favors number one let let me know let us know that you've heard this that it's been a blessing let me know how god is using it in your life you can stop by our website at dailyinchrist.org dailyinchrist.org and there is a contact us link that's right up there in the menu bar you fill that out and it sends me an email I'll appreciate that that uh, feedback from you secondly would you please tell a few close friends about the blessings you're getting from this podcast the daily in Christ podcast we have some instructions at the same website about how to receive this podcast Uh, on your mobile device. Again, that's at uh, dailyinchrist.org. This podcast is available at the Apple iTunes Store. It is also available uh, at the brand new uh, Google Play Podcasts Store. You know, on Google, you can do play music, play movies, play apps, play games, well, play podcasts and thousands of podcasters have been there at the launch we have been privileged to be right alongside our fellow podcasters and our podcast is available there so if you have a google device an android device go over to the google play store and uh, you can find the podcast through there and again we have specific guidance at our website dailyinchrist.org and dear friend always remember taste and see that the Lord is good blessed are those who trust in him Mm -hmm.